0: Oh my God, are we really in season two already? Hey, beautiful humans, you're listening to the Human Experience Podcast, hosted by me, Kiara Marie. I'm a functional nutritional therapy practitioner and a functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner. I'm here to share my human experience, as well as have these raw and powerful conversations with leaders in the health and wellness space. The Human Experience podcast began because I truly believe our souls are here to experience a wide range of emotions, make mistakes, own our past traumas that led us to make them, and face our deepest fears in order to grow. The Human Experience is a conversation about self-development, conscious awareness, normal human responses, and connecting mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual health. The Human Experience promises to deliver authenticity and diversity the human experience community is a group of humans doing the work so they can live their lives to their fullest potential and are here to break intergenerational family patterns that generations to come can too. At The Human Experience, we're diving deep. Thanks so much for tuning in. Enjoy the show. Man oh man, I have no idea where you're listening to the show, but I'm on the East Coast and it has been super rainy here. I'm I'm recording this in May and I know this won't air, air until July. But yeah, it's been so rainy. And don't get me wrong, I love rainy weather vibes. I would love to just cozy up in my bed with some sweats and watch a movie, which I have not done in gosh. I have no idea how long it's been, you guys. I've just been so in the zone with this podcast and getting my business off the ground and also balancing that with a full-time job um, and social life and family and so forth. And I know that's a lot of the population too. I'm not complaining, but I think I I will jump in bed tonight and just curl up and just watch a movie because I think I need that. That is a form of self-care sometimes, you too, guys. Um, Anywho, today on the show, I have Krista King, who has um, her Master's of Science. She is a licensed dietitian nutritionist, a registered dietitian nutritionist, and um, she's a functional hormone nutritionist. And I'm so excited for her to come on the show and break down hormones for you guys, I mean, Oh my gosh. The details that Krista provides in this episode, you guys need a pen and paper to write all this down to help you on your hormonal journey. Because I know so many women, so many women who have symptoms that have been normalized. They're not common. They're normalized because so many of us have experienced them or are experiencing them still for me. I remember I had hormonal acne, which was typically along the jawline, um, having to cover it up. I, I love my days without makeup now, whereas, and that's how things were for me. But then there came a period of time when the hormonal acne just came on like crazy that I was so self-conscious of even leaving my house. And that's not a way to live life and I also had breast tenderness I mean my breasts were engorged and I couldn't even touch them like they hurt so badly you guys so you'll find out what that means on the show and I I got bloated like right before my period I was like oh I know it's coming and then you know we talk about cramping too like all these things PMS I mean our periods should be something that we should be grateful for that our body sheds physically every single month we also talk talk about um estrogen dominance what that looks like pcos breaking down all of the the common disorders that we see relating to hormonal health and the recommendations that Krista gives are phenomenal and where to start on your journey and the solutions that she provides as well in her business. So, I'm really excited for you guys to listen. I know you'll learn something. Like I said, get out a pen and paper cuz you'll need it and enjoy the show. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to the Human Experience Podcast. You have no idea how much gratitude I have for my listeners and just being able to be in a space to create and to speak with these incredible guests that I have on the show. It is truly a dream. And I wanted to take a moment to chat about my private coaching that I am offering right now. Um, I do offer three and six month options for those women who are my higher achie- high achievers and I feel like women in general kind of put a lot of pressure on themselves whether it's internal or external pressure. Um, I've just been seeing myself included with my clients that the ones who develop symptoms chronic symptoms especially are the ones who are high achievers or put a lot of pressure on themselves or are easily stressed out. Um just happens to be the way of the world and that's okay. Um I've now been able to get to a place where I'm able to manage my chronic stress with some tools which you have too. You have these tools, it's just a matter of accessing them. Um and having someone who has been there and can guide you throughout a process because I cannot tell you guys I had my family and loved ones by my side throughout my entire journey but they just never understood they were there to support me and love me and tell me everything was going to be okay but because I didn't have anyone who truly understood what it was like to be in my body to to feel how crippling it felt to experience the bloat that I did I felt six months pregnant when I wasn't. And just my cycles were all over the place. Like I was getting them sixteen days late, and it was, it was mess. And my acne, and just going to the bathroom was a nightmare. I, I can't. It just felt like the end of the world. And at twenty something years old, that's not how you're supposed to feel. You're supposed to be out there living your life, and not let another day pass because. Yeah, you only get this life once and you should live it to the best of your capabilities. So in my three-month and six-month programs, I do offer unlimited support via an app, which we call Voxer. It's like a walkie-talkie. It's pretty awesome. So any questions that my clients have, if it's relating to a supplement, something that you get in the grocery store, um, how you're feeling, whatever, you have me literally in the palm of your hand. Um, And then we do one-on-one, one-hour calls every two weeks and um, grocery lists, recipes, the whole nine yards to get you started. Um, And then we address diet, rest, exercise, stress, supplementation. These are all things that will get you on the right path to healing. No more guessing games. I do as well offer um, functional diagnostic lab testing, So, if you are far enough in your journey, you're not getting answers, you've seen several doctors, you're just, your symptoms are all over the place and exacerbated, that's when I will offer lab testing. However, I do see a lot of clients that have never even stepped into a grocery store or even have cooked anything healthy and haven't tried those simple steps first or not drinking enough water, you know, and so forth. So, um, we will just start with nutritional therapy alone because I see it as a profound impact on your body just by making those simple changes and if we hit a wall and you're healing or whatever, um, then we can definitely step in with some functional diagnostic lab testing. So three and six month programs, they are awesome and I love them so much and I love my clients dearly. Um so if you guys are interested in hearing more and scheduling scheduling a free symptom audit so that we can go over your symptoms to see if it would be a good fit to work for with each other. Um you can schedule your free symptom audit um and the link in my bio and my instagram or you can just shoot me an email at kiara marie wellness at gmail.com now back to the show All right, guys, on the show today, we have Krista King from Composed Nutrition on Instagram. If you guys don't follow her already, she is an incredible resource for so many women on social media relating to hormones. So uh, her and I are going to be chatting about how to begin healing your hormones today um, and why certain symptoms take place. But really, I just wanted to get to know you a little bit more um, and let the listeners, yeah, listen on your story and what led you to become a nutritionist. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Thank you so much for having me today. I'm so excited to chat more about all things hormones and everything, but yeah, so I am a registered dietitian. I also have additional training in functional and integrative nutrition. So when I explain what that means, what I like to say is that functional meaning, looking at how all of the systems in the body work together, an integrative, combining conventional and holistic practices in a way that really looks at the whole body, the whole system. And so my practice is composed nutrition, where I have a virtual practice where I work one-on-one with clients specifically on hormones, gut health, and the connection and focus on having a healthy relationship with food and our bodies. And I also provide other online resources as well through that. And I always knew I would start my own practice one day. I have always been really passionate about preventative health and what really led me into that was losing my mom when I was 18 years old. And so, leading up to that, she had a really long journey, I would say, with her health kind of declining throughout my teenage mm-hmm. years. And then, really, she was the one who started getting into holistic health mm-hmm. and really looking at these root cause approaches. And this was back. When- Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, back when none of what is available now is available, so it was kind of really new at that time when I was deciding, you know, what I wanted to do. I was a freshman in college, went in as a general business major because that's what both my parents did, and and then you know I got really passionate about the preventative side of health, and so that's when I made the transition to um become a dietitian cuz that's really what the path was at that time there weren't really holistic coaching mm-hmm. certifications i had no idea what functional medicine even was back then so that's really the the path that led me into nutrition mm
0: mm-hmm. and did you have any of your own symptoms start to develop really
1: no not at that time i i really didn't struggle too much with my health during that time. I would say what ended up going on with my health was really unhealthy coping mechanisms right after losing Mm -hmm. my mom. And so what that looked like was, you know, drinking too much, not really digging into the pain and kind of ignoring Mm -hmm. or not, you know, just like not really moving through it. I mean, you're so young. And so Mm -hmm. that, and just, kind of always having kind of workaholic tendencies, just pushing myself too far, kind of people pleasing, all of those things where it's, you're giving so much to others and not really anything to yourself. And so over time, that really the stress did start to show up in my body in some ways. Um, It was more stress, anxiety, um, nutrient deficiencies that I ended up uncovering later on from stress, how I was eating, not taking the best care of myself, and you know, when it comes to the hormone piece, I you know did struggle with these symptoms that we are all so familiar with that we view as normal you know, monthly, yeah, period pain and cramps and things like that. We think those are normal, they're really common, and so I definitely dealt with that. And as I started on my own health and healing journey, I did uncover some imbalances th- there as well. It was kind of, you know, everything's on a spectrum. So I would say I, I was dealing with things. I just didn't really know that there were problems
0: at the time. Mm. Mm-hmm. So how did you begin healing those things? What worked um, and what didn't? Honestly, it took me getting to
1: a point where I, for me, I needed to cut alcohol out of my life. It was not working for me anymore. And I know a lot of people may have that similar story. And if it's not alcohol, it's something else. It, you know, I, I see mm-hmm. it a lot with food or just anything that we're reaching outside of ourselves to deal with the things yeah. that we haven't dealt with. And so for me, that was mostly the alcohol, mostly, you know, the people pleasing, the doing thing, not really filling up my own cup. And so I kind of had mm-hmm. just like, this is enough is enough. This is not going to work in my life. And so once I remo- started the journey to remove that, it's never just a one and done thing. Um, but that was when I really started taking care of myself and figuring out things to support myself and to do things that I was passionate about and really start filling up my own cup. And, and so what really started working was, uh, that's around the time too, when I discovered, uh, functional medicine. So I would say I'm almost three years completely sober, um, coming up in, yeah, a couple of weeks. Awesome. And so it was around that time where functional medicine is one of those things. I feel like books always appear to me, uh, kind of at the right time. So, um, yeah. I, I got one of uh, Mark Hyman's books, if you're familiar.
0: Oh, I love Dr. Michael. Yeah, so I read his
1: book, The Ultramind Solution, which was really the functional medicine approach for Mm -hmm. really dealing with um, our our mood and kind of some of these like mental things like anxiety, depression. And so that was kind of my first introduction to that. And that was when I was like, this is the piece I was missing from kind of the conventional training I got as a dietitian I felt, you know, that was so great. And I, you know, learned so much, but there's more to this story. And that's when finding functional and integrative medicine was really helpful. So kind of circling back to your question on what worked when I started on my own health and healing journey was just following those steps, following my intuition, and just always knowing I'd be guided to the next best step for me, letting my body guide me, I never put strict rules on myself of I have to do this in order to heal being, you know, not restrictive with food, even though, you know, there were things that required some diet modifications, but never being um, overly restrictive with food was so important. And just coming at your health from a place of curiosity, I feel like, so much of what I see is we're, we're trying to find the, the fix for the things that are out of balance or just if I do this, then I will be fixed. And it's an always an ever-evolving journey. It's an ebb and a flow. There's going to be forwards and backwards, but just kind of trusting that journey and knowing that everything that you need is within, that external pieces will support that. But we really need to trust ourselves on our health journeys. Mm.
0: I can... I feel like I was that girl. I was the girl looking for that fix. I was reaching for the next best supplement or like if I eat this way and I'm strict with myself, then I will feel this way. And I didn't, that was before I was beginning to trust myself and know that the tools were all within me. Our bodies are meant to heal. They have the ability to heal on their own, but we just have to create the right space emotionally and physically for them to be able to do that. So that was a big life lesson for me. And once I was able to, um, get there mentally, that's when I started to see true healing. Um, so yeah, I I applaud you for knowing that, like just right off the bat, like I'm just going to trust my intuition and that'll lead me to where I need to go next. Um, so that's awesome. And what are some of the symptoms that you're seeing in your practice today? Yeah, with so women? a lot
1: of them. So since I specialize in the hormone health and gut health, what I'm seeing a lot mm-hmm. is really any sort of period problem, whether that's an irregular cycle, a really short or long cycle, heavy or painful periods, period cramps, uh, a lot of fatigue or low energy. Um, I do Hormone testing in my practice. So I can take a look at what exactly is out of balance driving some of these symptoms, but see a lot of cortisol. So our stress hormone dysregulations, whether it's high at certain points of the day where it should be lower, lower at certain points where it should be higher. So that's really tying into a lot of this low energy and um, kind of that feeling of being wired but tired. That really resonates with a lot of my clients. When I say that, they're like, yes, they're like, that's what I'm feeling. <laughs> <laughs> um, dog, anxiety, um, temperature dysregulation. So kind of feeling cold, cold all the time. Mm. And that was something that I definitely okay, experienced. Yeah. I was always freezing all the time. Same. Um, mm-hmm. found out my iron was extremely low. So that's where nutrition can tie in. You know, our body is giving us signals all the time. These symptoms are signals and it's not that we are bad or our bodies are bad or they're failing us it's they're trying to tell us something we're just not really taught how to decode those messages all the time
0: yeah every single symptom you just said i once had (laughs) and i I feel like there are so many women Mm -hmm. struggling out there with these symptoms that have been normalized um and they are so common just due to the environment i feel like we live in nowadays with the the food industry and the toxins that we're exposed to on a regular basis um can you touch on what a normal cycle cycle yeah, should look absolutely. like for women? So
1: a normal cycle, I think we I hear a lot that a cycle, quote, should be 28 days, but that's really an average cycle. Mm-hmm. So an average cycle is 28 days, but a normal cycle is anywhere actually from, 21 to 35 days. 21 is really kind of on the low end. If you're kind of around 21 to 24, it would kind of look into that a little bit. But anywhere f- from that up until 35, it's normal. But what we want is consistency. So as long as you're kind of within a couple days of the you know, number of days that's consistent for you. So if you have a 30-day cycle and it's consistently that, that is normal. We don't have to try to strive to make our cycles 28 days so that that's one piece and your period lasting anywhere from three to seven days so normal um one piece that I had never really considered to look into was your period blood color so taking a look and seeing Mm. is it either a bright or deep kind of cranberry or bright red cherry or cranberry red and if it if you're experiencing more of this like really dark or almost like purplish blue with clots that could be a sign of some either elevated estrogen or estrogen dominant uh, brown can be a signal mm. of kind of old oxidized blood that is still kind of hanging out there before it's being released and that can be a sign of low progesterone really light pink or kind of barely there that could be low estrogen And then any sort of kind of other color, you know, could be an infection, like a gray or orange or something that would definitely be Mm -hmm. something to look into. So uh, cycle length, Mm -hmm. we talked about period length and period blood color. And then really all of those symptoms that I mentioned, if you're experiencing any of those, especially at a moderate or an extreme level, it's not normal. It's normalized. It's common. But it's definitely mm-hmm. a signal to look mm-hmm. into, look into that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And about a year ago, or maybe a little bit longer than that, I discovered that we had phases to yeah. our menstrual cycle. It was more than just yeah. you're either on your period or you're not. <laughs> Can you tell us yeah. about those four yeah, phases? Absolutely. So we actually
1: go through four phases throughout our menstrual cycle. And yeah, I, I had no idea either. <laughs> um, and so we we start with day one on uh, that day. One is day one of our period. And that would be uh, the first day of a full bleed. And so I know a question I get sometimes is, oh, I'm spotting. What is my day one? It's so day one of a fir- uh, full, full bleed. And so that is your menstrual phase um, your, during your period. So between that three to seven days is normal. If it's um, longer, that would be something to kind of look into longer than seven days. but um, So we have the menstrual phase starting at day one up until you finish your period. Then we move into the follicular phase. And so what's happening there is our hormones are at their lowest point during the menstrual phase. And then during the follicular phase that lasts up until you ovulate, your estrogen levels start to rise. And so what that's doing is starting to thicken the uterine lining of the uterus. That's what you eventually shed at your next period. So your estrogen, it's a growth hormone, so it's helping to build up that uterine lining. And then that leads up until ovulation. And so what's happening is your brain is actually signaling to your ovaries. So there's a brain hormone, FSH that's a follicle-stimulating hormone, that's what's signaling to prepare the egg during that cycle. And then as you reach ovulation, then the brain releases luteinizing hormone, or LH, to tell the ovaries to release an egg. Mm-hmm. So then that's your ovulation. So that's mid-cycle. mid, mid cycle. Mm-hmm. And after you ovulate, then we move into everybody's not-so-favorite phase. Sometimes if you are experiencing a lot of symptoms is the luteal phase. It's uh, kind of our PMS phase if we're getting those symptoms. And so that is the uh, rest of your cycle leading up from ovulation until your next period. So what's happening there is after you ovulate, you release the egg, And then the sac that remains from where the egg has um, been released, it is called the corpus luteum, and that is what produces progesterone. And so progesterone has balancing effects to estrogen, and that is what peaks, and both estrogen and progesterone peak right after ovulation and then start declining until your next period, and then the cycle
0: starts all over again. Mm -hmm. and when someone is getting hormone testing done when should they send in their their either urine samples or however saliva tests or whatever you use yeah
1: so in my practice i use the dutch test which is a urine sample that you collect at four points so over the throughout the course of the day. The reason you collect Mm -hmm. four is because we're checking cortisol, so your stress hormone levels, and we want to see Mm -hmm. your cortisol awakening response and the curve, the cortisol curve of how it is throughout the day, since we want to have higher levels in the morning and gradually decrease throughout the day, kind of aligns with our circadian rhythm. Um, But Mm -hmm. yeah, so we want to test on day uh, 19, 20, 21, or 22 of an average 28-day cycle. If your cycle is longer or shorter but consistent, you would add the, the days you know, up or down. Mm-hmm. If you have an irregular cycle, what we do is we will use an ovulation predictor uh, test where you uh, urinate on the strip, and what you're looking for is a positive result for that luteinizing hormone, the LH surge, mm-hmm. that is your uh, brain telling your ovaries that it's about time to ovulate. And so mm. that's how we can um, predict ovulation. And then once you get a positive result, five to seven days after
0: that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, and what if someone's on birth control and trying to do that test? Because is, isn't there no ovulation phase when you're on birth yeah, control? Yeah, so when
1: you are on hormonal birth control, the pill, it is blocking ovulation. So I don't typically run the test if you're on hormonal mm, birth control. Okay, with um, IUD like the Mirena, uh, some women may still ovulate; others won't. And you can still get information about your stress response, your cortisol levels. You can get information about how your estrogen is being metabolized in the body. And there's some vitamin and mood chemical markers that we can get. So we, we can still get some information from the Dutch test, at least, but it will not always give the most accurate information as to what's going on with your sex hormones since hormonal birth control is acting on that. Um, if you mm-hmm. have a copper IUD, like the Paragard, then um, you you can do that since that's not hormonal. We can still pass okay. there.
0: <laughs> okay. Got it. There's so many types of birth control. I feel like I'm not even familiar with all of them. I, was, I had my own experience with birth control in college. Um, I was only a, on it for about a month and it was the hormonal pill. Um, and within a week I had gained 10 pounds and I was crying at dinner tables for absolutely no reason. (laughs) And intuitively I just knew that wasn't for me anymore. Um, but I was left with this severe depression, um, that I have the most I've ever experienced in my life. And it was the first time experiencing it. Um, and I, I, I was, I felt bedridden and I felt that was the catalyst for, The rest of my um, health struggles that I endured for the remainder of what these—that was like seven years ago now. So I feel like all this time I've just been obviously I wasn't guided. I wasn't seeking the uh, the advice of a health practitioner. I was trying to figure everything out on my own, which I now know better. (laughs) Um, But. What are your thoughts on birth control? I think it's everybody's decision
1: to make for themselves as long as it's an informed decision. Mm-hmm. I think there's really uh, two reasons why we go on birth control. One is for contraceptive and one mm-hmm. can be for symptoms. Sometimes people only go on for symptoms. And mm-hmm. and so I am not anti-birth control. It's more in uh, pro-informed. you know you just that you know that Mm -hmm. information of what it's doing to your body and you have all the information to make an informed decision and Mm -hmm. so I do work with a lot of clients who have made the decision on their own to transition off wanting you know a more natural approach or maybe it's not helping their symptoms in the way that either it once was or it never did and so yeah, the, my thoughts are it's a really individualized choice. I'm not anti-birth control. It's just, you know, make sure that you're getting on the information about what it's doing to your body. Mm-hmm. And two books mm-hmm. that I recommend a lot, one, um, Beyond the Pill by Jolene Brighton. Mm-hmm. It's a great one. She talks all about post-birth control syndrome, which is basically what is happening to your body after coming off of hormonal birth control and how to support rebalancing the body really what we're doing is shutting down the uh, hormone communication system. Like I was explaining how the brain communicates to the ovaries and the reproductive system, that system needs to wake back up. And if you were on it for symptoms before, you know, it it need to be prepared for that, that potential for them to come back if we're not addressing the root cause. So it's, it, it can be helpful. It can be helpful for symptoms. What it's not doing though is getting to the root cause of the symptoms. Um, so I mentioned Mm -hmm. the beyond the pill book and another really interesting book is, uh, this is your brain on birth control written by Sarah Hill. And she actually is a psychologist. And so it goes into all of the more mental psychological effects that birth control has. And I know that you mentioned, you know, there's so many types of birth control. She has a really great chart in there that kind of breaks down all the different types.
0: Nice. I'm going to link those in the show notes for everyone to take a look. I love Dr. Jolene Brighton. She is such a great resource, especially when it comes to birth control. Um, What are some of the nutrient deficiencies that – is it all birth control or just hormonal birth control that um, can can be depleted? It's the
1: pill. And so um, common uh, nutrient depletions are magnesium, certain B vitamins like our folate, um, B12, B6. And selenium, which is a nutrient really important for our thyroid health, can deplete zinc, also important for mood and thyroid health as well. I may I believe vitamin C. I have a couple posts on my Instagram that outlines all mm-hmm. of the nutrient depletions and food that um, is helpful to get those nutrients. But yeah, so... Um, It's really the pill that can deplete those nutrients. So those are important to be mindful of if you are on the pill or um, deciding whether you want to make the transition off the pill to make sure that you're getting those Mm -hmm. nutrients either through food or working with a practitioner to determine supplements that are right for you.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, just like you said, I think the 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 point that we're trying to drive home here is that you know it's your body and you should do whatever feels right for it. But making that informed decision is important, so you know if there are any health ramifications that you can potentially deal with after getting off of the pill or even during um, is vital. Absolutely. So yeah. Thank you for that. Um, personally, when I was working with a practitioner and I ran the Dutch test, I came back with, um, estrogen dominance mm-hmm. and well elevated estrogen in the sense that progesterone was completely yeah. tanked. <laughs> and then my estrogen estrogen was high in, in regards to that. So we were treating as estrogen dominant. Um, what are some recommendations you'd give there? And what is estrogen Yeah, that's a really good this,
1: question. Know. And mine came back estrogen dominant as well, but I had the normal progesterone and high estrogen. Oh. So that's a really good segue oh. into what is estrogen dominance. I think we can think that it's always elevated estrogen, which is definitely possible, but it's looking more at the relationship of estrogen to progesterone. So we can have kind of a few different pictures. One, elevated estrogen and normal progesterone, elevated estrogen and low progesterone, and um, normal estrogen and low progesterone. So it's really looking at estrogen in relation to progesterone. And, Mm -hmm. you know, even if we we could have normal estrogen and just really low progesterone and still experience symptoms. And the symptoms would be things like the period pain, period cramps, kind of that cyclical acne right before your period, uh, breast pain. Those are some of the symptoms. And so with the Dutch test, why it's so nice is we get to see not just your estrogen levels, but how is estrogen being metabolized or detoxified in the body? And so there's three main steps that estrogen goes down. So step one, it um, gets converted down one of three main pathways. And so there is one pathway that is more protective than the other pathways. And so that's our 2OH pathway. We have our 4OH pathway, which is inflammatory we don't really want to be utilizing that pathway as much. And then we have our 16-OH pathway, which is kind of in between. It's If we are utilizing that pathway a lot, it's more estrogenic, meaning if we are utilizing it, we could experience more symptoms potentially. And so that's phase one. And then we go through phase two, which involves methylation, which the best way to just think about that is basically we're adding some nutrients onto that product that it gets got converted into kind of packaging it up like a present with a little bow on it for it to then move out through the stool. So that's phase three where we eliminate it from the body. And so some issues that we can experience are in any of those phases or all of the phases. So um, we want to take a look at what pathway in phase one are we favoring? And there are some supplements that can help to, navigate our estrogen down the protective pathway. Um, Then we want to look at phase two. Are we getting all the nutrients that we need for that process to happen? A lot of those are a lot of those nutrients that I mentioned that the, the pill depletes. We need enough of our B vitamins, for example, magnesium plays a role in our hormone health. And then where gut health comes into our hormone picture is that phase three. So are we eliminating it? Because if we don't, then it will recirculate. So if you're experiencing constipation issues, that is an issue with hormones because then it's likely that you are not clearing estrogen from the body as well as you could be. And if you have some imbalances in your gut bacteria, that can actually interfere with that step too. So if you remember, I said we're packaging it up in like a little present what some gut imbalances can potentially do is untie that ribbon so estrogen recirculates before it even has a chance to leave the body. So that's where the gut health piece comes into our hormone health.
0: Mm-hmm. I was the one dealing with yeah. constipation, and I had no idea that that even played a role into hormone health until, until like two yeah. years ago. Um I was not eliminating every day. Therefore my estrogen was being recirculated into my body and that led to weight gain, breast tenderness, um, just low libido, um, anxiety Mm -hmm. and just feelings of low self-worth. Um, it was not fun, but I, I feel so much better now that I've learned all Mm -hmm. these tools. Um, one thing that I was doing was eating a lot of broccoli Mm -hmm. sprouts can you touch on the, the benefits of yeah. that? So,
1: one supplement that we may hear a lot about when it comes to estrogen balance is something called DIM, D I M. And that's actually a component that is in our cruciferous vegetables. So, if we hear, you know, eating cruciferous vegetables is beneficial for hormone health, the reason is, is it has um, properties that help support estrogen detoxification through those phases that I just mentioned. And broccoli sprouts are a really good source of that. So that is really a good way, food-based way to help support your healthy estrogen levels.
0: Mm-hmm. One one other supplement that I kept hearing about in the wellness space, but I actually never tried, mm-hmm. was um, Vitex. Yeah. Do you use that at all in your practice? Yeah, I
1: use it in my practice, and I personally have used it as well. Okay. So I actually um, – used it before I did my Dutch test, just based on symptoms for myself. Um, when I work with clients, I really recommend based on testing. Um, mm-hmm. But I guess you'll, you could say that I'm my own guinea
0: pig when it comes yeah. to <laughs> Same here. we yeah,
1: will try, you know, I've tried almost everything. So um, yeah. <laughs> uh, with uh, Vitex, what that does is it helps to support our progesterone levels. If we have low progesterone, and if you remember, that is the hormone that governs the second half of the menstrual cycle. we actually have to ovulate in order to produce progesterone. And so what Vitex helps us do is it actually helps to raise our luteinizing hormone. So our brain hormone that helps to signal ovulation to occur. And so if ovulation occurs, then we're producing progesterone, which we need to help balance out our estrogen levels.
0: Mm-hmm. And one other, um, symptom that I was dealing with was a lot of hormonal acne. And the reason I knew it was hormonal is because it was right along the jawline on both sides. It wasn't anywhere else on my body, sometimes on my chin. And I never really was the type to get hormonal acne even around my, my period. Um, but then all of a sudden when I found out I was estrogen dominant, I had that jawline acne. So, um, that was a really tough um, thing for me to battle, but yeah. what can someone begin doing in order to either get rid of it or get to the root cause?
1: Yeah, I think it's really important when it comes to symptoms, especially like hormonal acne, to understand what your root cause is, and so that's where testing can become really helpful. so there's a few different kind of pictures of hormonal acne that we can experience, and so Sometimes people experience it kind of more mid-cycle around ovulation. And if that's happening, that can be due more to our elevated androgen levels. So our androgens are things like our um, testosterone and DHEA. And so that peaks around ovulation. And so if our androgen levels are high, um, that's why um, around ovulation we could experience it. But then the kind of PMS type cyclical right before the period, acne is more tied in with the estrogen dominance like we were talking about. And so it's really important to understand what your hormones are doing so that you can target it. And so I always talk about setting a balanced nutrition foundation with things that can apply to almost anyone within reason, unless you have a food intolerance. Um, But, you know, focusing on blood sugar balance, focusing on balancing out your carbohydrates with protein and healthy fat, making sure we're getting those nutrients that we talked about through food. And then, um, you know, some of those specialized supplements that we were talking about, those are really important to target based on what your body needs. So say, for example, I started taking Vitex because I heard it helps with estrogen dominance, but my progesterone's fine. My estrogen is really high and I'm pushing an inflammatory pathway. Well, the Vitex isn't what my body needs, but I'm still dealing with estrogen dominance, but it's a different picture. So in that case, something like DIM would be helpful because it would help to lower the estrogen push it down the protective pathway and so we we can experience both we could be experiencing high high androgens and estrogen dominance at the same time and so really to figure out what your body needs I feel like in my practice I use this framework kind of as I'm thinking about you know putting all the pieces together there's uncover healing and then sustaining. And we're so quick to jump to the healing part without really figuring out what's going on first. And so I feel like that's just such an important, important piece to
0: it. Mm -hmm. And then looking at the the bigger picture, too, when it comes to testing, you can come back with things like um, PCOS and have have to navigate a whole different Protocol. I know a lot of women who are currently battling PCOS, and um, I wanted to shed some light on it. Um, Can you tell us what PCOS stands for? Yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah, so PCOS is polycystic ovarian syndrome, and so in order to receive a diagnosis, there are three uh, main criteria, and you need to meet two out of the three. So one is elevated androgen levels. And so that could be your testosterone or DHEA. So testosterone is released from your ovaries and DHEA is uh, released from your adrenal glands. And so your adrenal glands are two small glands that sit on top of your kidneys, like little hats. And that is also what produces our cortisol. So our cortisol and DHEA um, markers can tell us a lot about our stress response. And so the first criteria for PCOS, do I have elevated androgen levels? And which one? Do I have elevated testosterone or DHEA or both? And so the elevated testosterone is often more linked to blood sugar imbalances and um, insulin resistance. So insulin is our hormone that helps to or works to move the sugar out of our blood and into the cells where we can use it for energy. And it's kind of like a lock and key system or um, like I used to describe it. I I used to work with uh, diabetes patients doing in-home counseling. And so what I would describe it Mm. as is that our insulin, is like a taxi cab that is released. It drives around, picks up the sugar and out of the blood drives it to where it needs to go to the cell where it's like a lock and key opens up, the sugar can go in, we use it for energy. If we have blood sugar issues or our insulin response just is not working as well, I kind of explain that as like a lazy cab driver in that situation, or the lock got changed. And so it's going to where it needs to go, but it can't get in. And so that's really what insulin resistance means. And so that insulin can actually signal to our ovaries to drive up our testosterone levels. And so that's kind of the root cause of that. Our DHEA can be um, high due to stress. So that's kind of that first picture and kind of explaining why that can happen. Two is do we have polycystic ovaries on an ultrasound? So that would be something that you would need to complete with your doctor And so we have the elevated androgens, the polycystic ovaries, and the third criteria. Why is it leaving me right now? (laughs) We have the polycystic ovaries, we have the androgen levels, and
0: oh my goodness. Oh oh gosh. I don't... I don't even know. I, I yeah, it's like completely leaving me right now. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say I thought the the third one would have been the poly, polycystic ovaries because I know sometimes too that women still get diagnosed with PCOS. Yeah. Um even though they don't have the the polycystic um ovaries. Um yes. but I can't think of I can't think of it either. <laughs>
1: I don't know why it's leaving me. It's going to we can come, we can, we, we'll come yeah, back we, to
0: that piece. <laughs> yeah, we can come back to that. But I'm, um, I, yeah, I know so many women who are currently dealing with that. I love how there's been awareness shed in the um, social media aspect. But going to blood sugar, that yeah. is something that I personally dealt with and I didn't know was a thing until I was diagnosed with being pre-diabetic, um, type 2 um diabetes. And I was the healthiest person that you could really look to. I was eating all the right nutrient dense things. and But my digestion was so off. And I feel like digestion is really the starting point for overall gut health. Without good digestion, it's hard for us to absorb any of the nutrients that we should be getting into our bodies. And like (sighs) Krista was saying, um, not having healthy bowel movements can lead to a host of hormonal issues. So (laughs) yeah, I, I was diagnosed with, um, pre-diabetes, uh, two years ago now. Um, and I had no idea about blood sugar imbalances and, and what those looked like. Um, can you touch on that for a little bit? and what the, what yeah. symptoms one could be dealing with and, like, how to go about balancing their blood sugar? Yeah,
1: absolutely. So I think one thing that I talk about with blood sugar balance is our energy levels. So um, energy kind of spikes and crashes and just kind of, you know, what I was talking about with some, like, fatigue, low-energy brain fog and so, with blood sugar balance as well, uh, it's really tied in with our mood. So, blood sugar crashes can really be tied in with that feeling of being, you know, hangry, yeah, <laughs> or, or mood mood swings. Mood swings really mm-hmm. often correlate with our, um, with you know, with our blood sugar. And so, also, our stress response is really. Tied in with our blood sugar because what happens is our body releases cortisol uh, in response to stress. And so that is released from our adrenal glands. And um, everything that needs to gear up in your body to happen to deal with that stressor, either real or perceived has to happen. And one of those things is blood sugar has to go up because it's basically our body saying, okay, we have enough energy for our muscles to literally run or fight, even if it's something that is more mental, emotional stress or something where we're not actually physically running from something. So our stress response is really tied in with our blood sugar response. Um, Same with our inflammation, and kind of what you were touching on with the gut health piece. Um, And so what we want to do in order to balance our blood sugar is uh, make sure that we're eating enough protein and healthy fats at meals to balance out our carbohydrate levels.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was something I I think I had that piece down. But as you were saying, with the stress piece that Even though I wasn't doing crazy workouts, which I had once been doing in my life, Mm -hmm. um, I wasn't dealing with emotional stressors um, that were happening every day. Um, So I feel like within the span of a year, that's what drove me to be um, pre-diabetic for sure. Um, Yeah. That stress management piece is so important. And I feel like it's so often overlooked too. We might think that we're yeah. not stressed out on the X. Ex- uh, I, I think a lot of the stress I was dealing with, I was bottling up internally. Um, but I think your body is really smart <laughs> and can yeah. still sense these things. Um, so, what are some good stress management tools that you like to recommend?
1: Yeah. So I like to recommend everybody kind of build their own stress toolbox. So you take some time to sit down and figure out what are the things that I like to do and what can I do to manage my stress. And I like to have a balance of things that can literally take less than a minute and then other ones that take more time. So examples would be movement, listening to music, doing a meditation, journaling. But some of those really quick ones would be um, I have some essential oil rollers on my desk. So scent is really tied in I with have memory. some back there too. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, yeah. And so since our scent is so tied in with our memory, it's a really good way to kind of train our brain to kind of calm down if we're using that as a signal for kind of our calm down response. And so with stress management, I think sometimes it's almost like, what does that even mean. And what it means is uh, shifting our state from this kind of stressed, anxious state. And we can feel it in our bodies if we take a second to kind of feel what that feels like. It's like constricting, shallow breathing. And so what we want to do is shift to a calm state. And so that feels more open, more like we can take a breath. And so um, another really quick one that I like to do is um, just like four count breathing or five count breathing where you breathe in for a count of four or five and you can extend it longer and you hold at the top, then you breathe out for the same count, hold at the bottom and repeat. And so that's one that you can have with you anywhere if you're, you know, at work reading emails, you know, someone in your home is stressing you out. <laughs> you know, you can you can take that anywhere. So I those are some examples, but I think the important piece is not trying to figure out what it is in the moment when you're stressed it's really taking some time to figure out what those are for you and something that you enjoy. You know, if it's something where someone's telling you like, Oh, this works really well for me to manage my stress, but you really don't enjoy that activity. It's not, you know, you need to figure out what, what are the things that work for you?
0: Yeah. And then at that point you're forcing it and that's another stressor. <laughs> so let yeah.
1: get caught up in why am I not doing this right? And then yeah. That's just, um, yeah, not working. Yeah. yeah,
0: I think um, what's important here is that, knowing that stress will always be there, um, or stressors will always be there, but it's how you manage it. I mean, we, we have to go about life. We will run into people that will trigger us. We will run into traffic. Um, there will be someone in the house that you have a, a bad conversation with or whatever the case, it'll always be there. But like Krista's saying, I think having those tools in your toolkit, whatever works for you is so important and, and reaching for those, knowing reach, when to reach for them. Because I think um, those who are stressed out are often – too their minds are too busy or clouded to even think like, okay, I need to pause I need to just reach into my toolkit and breathe. Um, That's Mm -hmm. what I really like to do. I I love breath work. I love dancing. I love stretching. Um, Just when my Mm -hmm. body feels too tight. Um, I mean, there's so many things to do. It's it's a form of self-care, honestly.
1: Definitely. Yeah. You mentioned stretching. Yin yoga has been one that I've really enjoyed. And so that is yoga where – you're holding the poses. Um, So it's a little bit different than restorative, um, that you're holding the postures for two up to, you know, longer, five Mm -hmm. minutes. It's a really good release. Um, I really enjoy that at the the end of the day.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. Um, Um, Going to, like, the basic foundations of – where to start healing your hormones. I feel like yeah. nutrition is definitely a, a piece of the puzzle along with, you mm-hmm. know, the movement and, um, stress management. Mm-hmm. What are typically some things you'd recommend starting off with a client? I mean, I know things are bio-individual, but, um, mm-hmm. I want to hear your experience with this too and, mm-hmm. and food.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Nutrition is so foundational along with movement and the mindfulness and, um, you know, everything we've been talking about, but, Number one is what we were talking about before with blood sugar balance. That's something that is a key foundational piece for everybody, no matter what they have going on with their hormones. And so what that looks like, and I I mentioned it before, but I can go into a little bit more detail, um, is we we want to make sure that we are balancing out our carbohydrate foods, which are foods that uh, essentially break down into sugar. So we have what I call slow carbs and fast carbs. So I, I never use the words good or bad with mm, food. I, I think love that. that's so important. Um, really what's important when it comes to carbohydrates is how is it affecting our blood sugar? Is it slow or is it fast? So slow would be Those foods with fiber. So that would be more of like our fruits and grains. And the fast would be more of like our sugars or more of those refined carbohydrates that affect our blood sugar faster. And so, what we want with our blood sugar balance is opting for when we're building our meals, you know, opting from some of those uh, slow carbohydrates paired with um, protein and the healthy fat so that we are getting kind of a balance of all of our macronutrients that we need. And, you know, not demonizing, you know, one over the other. I feel like every macronutrient has had its chance in, you know, <laughs> the limelight of being demonized, but really we need all of them. And blood sugar balance is so important for our hormone balance because what we were talking about with the stress response and the stress response is really what can kick off a lot of those imbalances like we were talking about. Um circling back to PCOS. I don't know why my brain kicked out, but the <laughs> third piece, I knew it would come back, irregular cycles. So are uh-huh. regular cycles or lack of ovulation. So just to tie that piece back together, awesome. three pictures of um, PCOS, you could have two out of the three, potentially three out of the three, the elevated androgens, testosterone, DHEA, We have the polycystic ovaries on an ultrasound or irregular cycles. So it is possible to have a regular cycle and still get diagnosed with PCOS if you have those elevated androgen levels in the polycystic ovaries on ultrasound. But kind of um, some of the hallmark symptoms are um, the irregular cycle, acne, hair loss, um, things like that kind of tied in with the elevated androgen levels. And I, I was mentioning before, it's important to get testing done to really understand what is what, what is driving it. Mm-hmm. And so that ties back into the foundational pieces of the blood sugar balance. So that's really important for PCOS, especially if insulin resistance or blood sugar imbalances are uh, driving your, your personal symptoms. So blood sugar balance, I will talk about <laughs> all day long, but, um, we really want to focus on, you know, our gut supportive foods. So where can we add in, uh, foods that have, you know, naturally containing probiotics. So things like, um, fermented vegetables like kimchi or sauerkraut, um, Yogurt or kefir, non dairy, if dairy doesn't work for you. um, Figuring out what foods you personally are reactive to and not cutting out foods unnecessarily. So, foundations really come back to figuring out what works for your body, what doesn't. There are some times where you will not be able to, you know properly digest certain foods. But there are times where maybe you've eliminated the gluten, the dairy, and you actually are fine with those. Um, and so it's just important to really kind of what we've been talking about learning what your body it works, what works for your body and not really listening to kind of food rules are what works for somebody else. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. Like you said, I feel like every macronutrient has had its time and uh, the limelight for being demonized. I think one of those things, um, has been fruit. Um, mm. it's been huge. And I think that just comes back and circles back to blood sugar. Um, yeah. are you in a place where you can be consuming high glycemic fruits? Um, and sometimes the answer is no, like maybe temporarily while you're working on balancing that blood sugar. But otherwise I feel like fruit is, is good and it's yummy and it it contains that fiber. Mm -hmm. Like you were saying, Mm -hmm. Um, I think every food can be good for you. It just depends on what your body needs um, Mm -hmm. in that time and place. Um, But specifically when it comes to nutrient density, How do you feel about plant-based proteins versus animal protein?
1: Yeah. So again, this piece is so individualized as well. And so what I like to say, kind of what I was talking about with the slow versus fast carbohydrates, how I think about proteins is either concentrated proteins or combination proteins. And so when it comes to our animal-based proteins, like our meat or fish, eggs, um, those are concentrated protein sources, meaning we get more protein in a smaller amount of food or a smaller portion of food. And there are some concentrated plant-based proteins that would be like our soy, like um, whole food soy, organic Mm -hmm. soy, like tofu or tempeh Mm -hmm. and um, plant-based protein powders. One I recommend a lot is just an unsweetened pea protein powder, which tends to work well if you're experiencing gut issues. Um, not every person can have soy. So soy can be really great for actually helping balance out our estrogen levels if we have you know moderate amounts throughout the week, maybe one to up to maybe three servings a week. But okay. if you have um, autoimmune condition or um, autoimmune thyroid, soy may not be the best for you. Or if you just have a food sensitivity to soy, since soy is one of um, the more common food sensitivities. So if you're trying to follow plant-based but can't have soy, that really limits your protein options because then most of our plant-based proteins from there are combination Proteins. So what that looks like is things like our legumes and like lentils or beans, chickpeas, black beans, things like that. Those provide some good plant based protein. They're great foods to include, but they also are car- carbohydrate source as well. So combination. And we would need more of those foods um, in order to get the same amount of protein as a concentrated animal based protein source. And then um some other, you know, like nuts and seeds are great. I always recommend if um you tolerate those well to include those pumpkin seeds are one that I always recommend everybody um incorporate. Um I love
0: pumpkin seeds. Yeah,
1: so many great hormone uh nutrients and those great plant-based protein source hemp seeds as well. Um, so those are combination protein healthy fat. And so when it comes to protein, what our protein breaks down to, and I like to think of it like little Lego pieces, are, are amino acids. And so our we eat and break down and digest and break apart these amino acids and we absorb them and then we use them to, you know, build the various structures and muscles in our body. Um, but our mood chemicals, so our main mood chemicals are actually built from certain amino acids. So for example, our serotonin, our feel-good kind of inner sunshine brain mood chemical, is built from tryptophan. It's tryptophan is one of those Lego pieces. Um, our GABA, our dopamine, or dopamine and our thyroid actually have a similar building block, tyrosine amino acid our endorphins are made from phenylalanine. So these amino acids are in our protein foods. And it's not to say that we can't get plant-based protein. It's just easier to absorb uh, from animal proteins. And another thing that I see a lot are really specific nutrient deficiencies on plant-based ways of eating. For example, our vitamin B12 iron, zinc, those are found in abundance in our animal proteins. Those were actually ones that I was low in uh, since I did follow a vegetarian or pescatarian way of eating for almost 10 years. And so it's not to say that you can't follow a plant-based diet. It's figuring out does it work for your body and sometimes figuring out the trade off of do I need to take a ton of supplements because my body is not absorbing what it needs from the plant based foods as well as adding in a little bit of animal protein. And so, you know, when we're talking about animal protein, thinking about like the quality and the amount, you know, it's still like mindful amounts. Um, so those are various things to consider
0: hmm Absolutely. I thought that was a really good perspective on that. Um, because that's also one of the things that's a huge controversy in the health and wellness space for sure.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, I wanted to circle back to, you know, women's health relating to periods. Um, what are some forms of feminine care that you'd recommend? Mm-hmm. Um, because I know that has also been a topic, um, mm-hmm. relating to endocrine disruptors and, 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 such. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Just looking, if you're using pads or tampons, just looking for a brand that uses, you know, quality ingredients, kind of what we've been talking about with food is really important for the products we use, whether they're feminine care or, you know, skincare or cleaning products, you know, looking at the ingredients as seeing, you know, are they made from cotton with no like added like bleaches or dyes or things like that um considering a menstrual cup and um period underwear or some other alternatives as well.
0: Yes. Yes. You just reminded me. I got off the phone with a girlfriend the other day and she had tried the um is it thanks yeah. underwear. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she was like it was the best investment that she's ever made. It's it's awesome. And yeah. she just looks forward to her period now <laughs> awesome. because the underwear is so comfortable. Um, it was a strange concept for me to grasp at first, but now I'm totally going to try that right after we hop off the phone here. I'm going to look into it. Yeah. But um, I myself have transitioned to the Diva cup mm-hmm. that I got really lucky. And the first one I tried worked for me, yeah. but I know for some women, sometimes they have to try different brands mm-hmm. um, and see what works for them. Yeah. But uh, it, it, it's, I think it's terrifying for a lot of women to think that there's this cup (laughs) going inside of you, but it was, it was actually really easy and and it it still is easy for me. So I I love that method, but I think if you don't choose to do that method, pads or or tampons and just searching for something that's um, not going to cause any more toxicity in your body.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I transitioned to a menstrual cup as well and have found nice. yeah it, it takes a couple cycles just to get used to it but I, I feel like a lot of people that I've talked to who have made the transition really enjoy it and yeah it is almost it, it's different it's like you know collecting the the period blood as opposed to absorbing it and that almost makes me feel better you know that's so true I used to think before like oh like I don't know about that that seems kind of I don't know but (laughs) um yeah it's just figuring out what what works for your body
0: Mm -hmm. yeah I love that um well we've touched on a lot today and I feel like this is so beneficial um I wanted to wrap things up by asking you one question that I ask all my guests because it is the human experience podcast um what makes you human
1: What makes me human? I feel like just tapping into my intuition makes me human. And I think that is something that we all have the ability to do. And it's something where when we get caught up searching outside of ourselves for answers, knowing that they're all within and that we can gather information, but when it comes to making the decisions for our health, that we are our own best health advocates.
0: So well said. I love that so much. Yeah.
1: Um, where can everyone find you and keep up with you? Yeah, so you can find me on Instagram at Composed Nutrition. I'm on uh, my website, composednutrition.com. So you can keep up with various blog posts and services and programs that I offer there. I am mm-hmm. also on Facebook. I have a private Facebook group for anybody interested in joining. So heal your body with Composed Nutrition. You can
0: find awesome. me there as well. Awesome. I'll link all those in the show notes. Um, but I think specifically one program that you're working on is Happy Hormones. Yeah,
1: so I actually have happy hormones at home right now. So that is a combination of resources to support your hormones during this time while we're all at home. So it's a combination of a four week hormone balancing meal plan, workout plan, and some other hormone supportive tools like some journaling tools and meditations and some extra recipes. But then awesome. I'll actually be releasing my, uh, re releasing my course, heal your period. So really all the information you would need to answer all the questions you have
0: about having a regular and pain-free period. Perfect. I will link all of those in the show notes so everyone can find you. Um, But other than that, thank you so much for joining us on the Human Experience Podcast. Um, Thanks for listening, guys. Until next time. thanks for listening guys to another episode of the human experience podcast. I do always appreciate your love via Instagram DMS and now any ratings or reviews that you have to give my podcast. I would love to hear your feedback. I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. Um, and of course, feel free to share with friends and family so that others can hear my voice too until next time.